The reviews are in, and we're going to tell you what they are. He's Todd Vandenberg on location this week in sunny, um, I'm going to go with Florida. I'm just going by the picture. It's an iguana. I don't know. Uh, I'm Rob Steele, I think. I am also on location because, let's face it, who isn't on a location at some point? True. I'm just throwing that out. We've got reviews of movies. We've got news of stuff. And I accepted Todd's challenge from last week. We'll get to that in a minute. But we're going to start with the one thing that people were upset about that I did not comment on about DC Fandom last week. And that was the teaser for Black Adam. I watched it. It looks good. It's a teaser. I'm going to wait till we get a full-blown trailer before deciding anything about it. That's all I got to yeah. see, really. I mean, yeah. Yeah, there looked... wasn't much to that teaser. I mean, that was... You can kind of tell it was The Rock. A... Yeah, it almost didn't even count as a teaser. There's so little to it. I mean, yeah, it's exciting. It's cool. I'm looking forward to it because it's The Rock and has characters that need to be on the screen. But, yeah, it probably would have been better off uh, I mean, they could have just had The Rock sitting there for 30 seconds talking about it. It would have been much more entertaining than what we got. I mean, they, they could have done that on the stage. Yeah. I mean, it, there really wasn't anything to it. No, there, there wasn't. It didn't really do anything to hype anything. So as that, in that respect, it's a pretty lousy teaser. Although I guess it did its job because it teased us. It's like, maybe there's something there, but it got people talking. So one of the least effective hype jobs ever, (laughs) because there's so little to it. I mean, there was more, there was more coming out of Marvel this week and they didn't have anything. Yeah. They just, you know, took their dates and shuffled them around a bit. Um, Quite true. Quite true. Disney officially delayed six of their movies. I think we only know the names of four of them. Let's see here. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which was supposed to be in March, and I'm looking forward to this one, has been pushed back to May 6th, which was the date for Love and Thunder from Thor, which is now July 8th, which was Black Panther's Wakanda Forever movie, which is now November 11th, and The Marvels, which I don't even know anything about yet, is now uh, February 17th, 2023, which was the Ant-Man and Wasp Quantum Mania date, and that's now July twenty eighth, twenty twenty three. That was everything, fun. Everything got shut back basically one slot. So. Yeah. Woohoo! Uh, but but, and this is no longer a spoiler because too many people have said stuff about it. Harry Styles is in the new Eternals movie. Yeah. He's in the yeah what one of the closing credit scenes. Where he actually, I do know the character. He's playing Eros, or sometimes called Star Fox. Uh, he's Thanos's brother. He was an Avenger for like half an issue or something. Uh, I know who the character is. Can't be bothered to care that it. Ooh, look, it's Harry Styles. Yeah, that's the part I don't care about. Interesting that they're bringing Star Fox in. Definitely. But... Yeah, a character we've heard of and an Avenger even. Yeah, briefly. Harry Styles aspect, but a lot of people do. So yay for them. Yay for them. Um, Actually, I did find some good trailer news this trailer news this week. I've lost the ability to speak. Hmm. (laughs) There is a new trailer for the new Ghostbusters. 
And this trailer alone looks better than the last movie did. <laughs> That's not saying much, though, is it? This trailer looks awesome. I'm loving it. I want to see this movie. Agreed. Uh, unlike Black Adam, they teased this properly. Um, is an actual footage from a film? Imagine that. What a concept, actually. You know what? Speaking of footage, let's go on to your challenge from last week. <clears throat> which was to find worse. Uh, well, if I recall correctly, you wanted me to find worse CGI in a movie than Wonder Woman 1984's cat fight in, in the past 20 years. In a major studio production. Major, major studio production. Okay. Now, there, I, didn't, I did find a lot. There are some things I'm not going to count, like uh, the Agent Smith fight in The Matrix 2, which is still less than 20 years ago. Yes, uh, I'm not counting that because that was a new thing. They've never done that before. And that many Smiths, it didn't look horrific, but you could tell it was CG. Yeah, you could. It's um, nowhere near as bad as the Wonder Woman cheetah fight, though. No. Um, Superman's mustache. I'm not counting that because, oh, no, his top lip looks like a top lip. Yeah. I'm sorry. that It wasn't that bad. And it I would count... Matter the uh, Blades blood fight in 1998, but that's too long ago. So I'm giving it an honorable mention if that's okay with you. Sure. All that right. is too long ago. It is. So how about <clears throat> anything from the Tom Cruise mummy movie? Well, uh, all I can go by is the trailer because I never subjected myself to it. Uh, last I, I, checked, I would recommend against it. And I'm not going to waste $3 renting it. So, I don't know. Possibly, from okay. the trailers, uh, from the trailers I saw, maybe they used the best footage. But, they did. Okay, maybe. Uh, X Men Three. Look, they're not as Magneto and Professor Xavier are not as old as they used to be. No, it's not as not, not as bad. That's pretty bad, but it's not like the major plot point. It's not the climax of the film. So, nope, that doesn't work. Okay, Alice in Wonderland Two. Pretty much the entirety of the movie. Pretty horrific. Yeah, I'd say that's a tie. All right. Let's see here. What else do we have? I can go with bits and pieces of Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Based. Some of these, some of the Potter movies had some pretty janky CGI. I, I stopped watching the Potter movies uh, after the third one, and all of them have pretty janky pgi yeah pgi prepo should have talked about that mm, I, did. I did uh they all have pretty bad cgi and the more i thought about it the more i thought that had to be a deliberate choice to make it look less scary less scary and not that well done so kids don't get oh my god that looks so terrifying because they watch it and they go yeah that's fake because yeah. if that wasn't a deliberate choice yeah, that would be worse because the CGI, at least in the three films, is looks like it came out in 1975. It's bad, always has been. Okay, how about this? And there is no excuse for this one. The 1080p remaster of the Lord of the Rings movies, I'm specifically pointing out Gollum. Because mm -hmm. Gollum just, I mean, it was brilliant when it came out and when it was all DVD quality, which is 480p. I realize we're losing 600p on this, but uh, 
when they upgraded the rest of the movie, he just looked out of place. And I would like to point out that when I made the notes for this show, I typed in Gollum and it re and the spell check kicked in and changed it to Goldblum. <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> Jeff looks fantastic. That does not work. Jeff always looks great. <laughs> Jeff Gollum. Um just pointing that out. Uh, how about Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? Nah, because the whole movie's terrible. It shouldn't exist. All right, I'll give you that. How about the, the new Mortal Kombat? The that movie is the special effects. That's the least problem with that movie. What That's is... probably true. The new wow. Mortal Kombat's Goro. Because mm. that... It's it pretty bad. Looked, it looked really bad. And but the guy fighting him, whose name I've already forgotten, doesn't look that good either. Is that a major studio release? I thought it was Warner Brothers. I think Warner's released it, but I don't think they... And I said major studio release, but I don't oh, think... okay. It. I'll give you that they, one. They produced it. They should be ashamed of themselves. Well, I how about this then? It's fun, but... From Universal Studios, the second Mummy movie. And I'm pointing specifically at the end of the movie because I'm not sure what The Rock was cooking, but whatever it is seems to have gone bad. When he when he showed up as the scorpion, big CGI scorpion king at the end, I have seen better stuff on PlayStation one. Yeah, agreed. That's like one of the worst CGI things ever from any time frame. That's totally inexcusable. So that one totally wins. Absolutely. Um, And I'm actually segueing that into the first review I've got this week because I'm not sure why I watched Thunderball again. You didn't like it the first time you talked about it. I'm I'm still finding more stuff in this, but I I do have a reason for doing it. <laughs> uh, Thunderball is still, for some reason, percentage wise, one of the highest grossing films ever. Uh, but it it's still it it suffers from Bond music, where the music I mean I think music is a very important part of a movie. If you have no music, you don't get as invested into a scene. As when you have great, a great song in the background of a fight scene, a love scene, whatever, it's going to pull you in more. But some of these early Bond films, and I love the early Bond films except this one, um, have this horrible music that they're trying to enhance the scene with, but it's so bad it makes the scene worse. But the reason I brought, I'm making this my segue from the CGI story is because the practical effects in this are actually impressive, uh, even by today's standards. But the end fight scene where everyone is underwater and it's an underwater scuba fight with spear guns and uh, jet propelled aquas or scuba tanks, I'm sure that looked great on paper. And I am impressed with the fact that they even did it for this film. But it looks horrible. It, it's it's hard to tell what's going on. There's a lot of... I, I, I They should have realized there's going to be a lot of bubbles. There's a lot of bubbles. And a lot of the bubbles oh, get in the way of what we're trying to see. So, yeah, on paper, this looks like it's going to be a great idea. But when you actually do it, it's not. And I suspect they got 
I suspect this was one of the last scenes they filmed. And they went, we've gotten this far into the movie. We can't change it now. We have to go ahead and use it. So they did. Um, and they never. It is hard to follow. But it, let me ask you a question. Yes. Which is which is more preferable, that or it's hard to follow what's going on, and it is, or what they did with, and I can't remember which Roger Moore version film because they all blend into to each other. But one of the Roger Moore Bond films, when they're supposed to be underwater and they are clearly just blowing air on them from a fan in slow motion with a blue See, filter to make it look like they're underwater. My is thing is it? they need to stay above the water at all times. Yeah, because that sucked. That absolutely sucked. But if we're, but that's a Roger Moore film. They are considerably farther down the ladder as far as Bond films go anyway. Yeah, they're pretty much trash, which is sad because I really like Roger Moore in everything except the Bond films. Because, man, those movies are terrible, which, you know, that's the direction they went. He didn't say, hey, let's make these camping stupid. Well, actually, that kind of goes into to my challenge for you for next week. Yes. Because Thunderball ends with a chase on, it's not a speedboat, it's a hydrofoil. Because some people like being anal with their nautical names. And to make it look faster, they sped up the film. And it, it it's actually pretty hilarious because at several points they rode over an island. And you can't do that in a hydrofoil without breaking it. Yeah, so break that really badly. To to me, it is one of the most it, one of the funniest unintentional scenes ever. Because it, it's that bad. They did not mean for it to look that bad. They did not mean for it to be funny, but to me it is. Although I am going to say that there is a one other Bond film, and I, it's unfortunately another Connery thing. Uh, from Never Say Never Again. <laughs> I had a feeling it would be that one. It's when uh, him and uh, uh, Bond and Kim, Kim, it was Kim Basinger, is that right? Uh, I think so. Um, I think so. They're on a horse and they're riding away from the bad guys on the top of a castle and they jump the horse off of the castle, down a cliff and into the water. And well, first off, everyone's fine. No, everyone's right. dead. I'm sorry. That's just a thing. But there's one scene where I guess they thought it would look good to show the horse falling off a cliff with two people on its back. It, 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 it no. <laughs> it's, it's so funny. You cannot not laugh at this. They're excellent writers. <laughs> so my, that's my challenge for you for next week is find something unintentionally funnier than that. Because to me, that, oh, geez. Actually, I, I'm, I'm segueing this into a movie that I know you saw that I have already seen and even reviewed on this show, but now you've seen it and we want to get your thoughts on it. And I don't think there was any unintentional funny scenes in this apart from possibly, hey, you've put on some muscle. Have I really? No, you haven't. Oh, I think that was 100% intentional. I, I, I was, that was intentional to, to me that... I, and I loved the movie, but that was a, a spectacular little exchange between the two characters. I love that exchange. I wish it had had. And we're talking about Dune, which, by the way, is available on HBO Max. So if you have HBO, yes, again, you have HBO Max and you can watch Dune because you already have HBO Max. So 
Overall, I thought Dune was spectacular, wonderful, excellent, which is kind of what you would hope for uh, a version of a spectacular, wonderful novel. It's been literally decades since I read it, so I can't say exactly how closely they hewed to the book, but as far as I can recall, they did a really good job. I can't it wasn't that long for me, and they did a pretty good job. Yeah. I did like that injection of humor. Probably could have used a little bit more of it. I mean, just a little bit more, like maybe two or not to the extent that Marvel does, but just maybe one or two more little bits. It is a grim story. True. And and it, it needs to be a grim story. I mean, you know, this is a, a metaphor for colonization and the has and has nots and all the rest of it. And it does an extremely wonderful job of that. The acting is excellent. The script is excellent. Cinematography is beautiful in this. I'm not talking about the special mm. effects, which are yeah. great. But just the cinematography alone. I mean, absolutely gorgeous film. Uh, David Lean's is always talked about. His films are always talked about as just how beautiful they look, especially Lawrence of Arabia. And of course, Dune, The Desert Planet. Definitely I'll call back to that. So, film just looks wonderful. Mr. Chalet, Timothy. Uh, I was thinking as I'm watching this, I'm thinking, okay, so this is like Eddie Redmayne 2.0, except not one I want to punch in the face. It's <laughs> Eddie Redmayne I can't stand. To, for some reason, just there's a quality about him that just irritates the living crap out of me, no matter who or what he's playing. And... Timothy is, uh, to me, a similar actor, as in just the basic build and the kind of roles he plays. And Redmayne is a very good actor. I just can't stand him personally. Happily, I don't get that vibe at all Yay. from young Mr. Timothy. I mean, I thought he was terrific in the role. I mean, he struck a perfect balance. And, of course, that is aided by the script and aided by the director. He's like a really good balance between this young boy who's thrown into this horrifying situation and growing into the leader that he's going to be. I thought that was just extremely well done. Entire cast was excellent. Uh, spoiler alert. Some people die in this film. <laughs> you think? Don't get too attached. Just saying. It's not as bad as uh, Game of Thrones, though, <laughs> no. as far as people dying. And if you're at all familiar with the story, you know that's going to happen anyway. So, yeah. And, and like you, I think the, the where they broke it off. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Perfectly done. Exactly where to end it. What? And, at a stopping point? Yeah. <laughs> if uh, if somehow you don't know. That, yeah, that is, it is a long, long book. This is a long movie, two hours and I think 43 minutes. That sounds which, about right. Well, 10, of it, not, 10 or 15 of its credits, but yes. Yeah, I was going to say about, about eight or nine minutes is credits. So still, long film. And there's a lot of story to tell. This film does not drag at all at any point. There's, there's a lot going on. There's a, there's a lot of action. There's a lot of political intrigue. There's a lot of family drama going on. Which that's the book, so really, really well done. Friend at work said was saying he hopes it's half as good as Arrival, and we talked about it. It's like, well, okay, I hope it's as good as Arrival, and I think it's better than Arrival. 
which yeah. is a terrific science fiction film. But I, one thing I really liked about this is it feels it's a it's its own world. It's its own universe. It doesn't really feel like it borrows from anything else. And that's really hard to do in science fiction. So, I mean, obviously, he's got the template because the book is there. But still. And I think, you know, if you're talking about templates and stuff, that that's going to be harder because this book has been around so much that it's been copied by a lot of people. Yeah, for sure. Like like Foundation, which obviously is around much, much further back. But yeah, this is it's it's a brilliant, brilliant movie. So the wait was definitely worth it. Villeneuve really knocked this out of the park, which not really surprising because it's typically what he does. but. Terrific movie. Wonderful flick. Now, I'm actually going to go to a different film that uh, actually came out around the time the first Dune did. But there's a reason I'm going here, and it'll make sense in a minute. I'm going back to Crawl. Oh, my God. (laughs) Because I watched that again this week, and uh, honestly, it's because I set my video player to random. And all right, it came up. Now, if you aren't familiar with this film, it uh, came out in 1983. It takes place on the planet Crawl, where uh, the Beast and his armies have landed their big stone castle, which is a spaceship, really, uh, on a planet and uh, on the planet Crawl, and have started to take over because that's what they do. And it starts with oh, two Lord. two kingdoms that are, have been feuding forever, deciding to marry a prince from one with a princess from the other so they can unite the kingdoms to fight the evil beast. The beast, however, decides, I'm going to kidnap the princess. Now, there's never really a reason given for wanting to kidnap the princess other than, well, now they can never merge the kingdoms. Well, yeah, but you killed both kings and there's only one left and he was going to marry the princess. I think that would do it. Um, but there are, a, it actually ends up being a really good movie despite this. I'm going to call it a story flaw. But there are a couple other things that I think could have been done better, but a couple of things that I think were spectacular. Uh, the enemy, for some reason, these are aliens in alien armor who have laser guns. Why did they kidnap horses from this planet? Do they not have anything other than that big, the big spaceship to ride around in? I don't get that part. Um, I mean, they do have very a cool when they get killed, which happens frequently. They do have a a cool way of dying, if they actually even die. You don't really tell. Uh, they basically they scream. A slug-like thing jumps out of their head and bur- burrows into the ground. So maybe it comes back up later and gets in another suit of armor. I don't know. It's still kind of a cool way of doing it, though. Um, it does suffer from a few verbal glitches uh, in the storyline. Like uh, one line that we we see this in a lot of movies. No one has ever seen the beast and lived. Well, then how do you know it's there? I'm just saying it, 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 it's a flaw. Um, one of the other flaws is at the beginning of the movie, the, the king, or I guess the new king, formerly the prince, is taken by an old wizard to go find uh, the glaive, which is a, supposed to be this magical 
uh, it's a shuriken is what it is. A ninja throwing star, only with bigger blades. Uh, and if you want to be picky, a glaive is technically a polearm. You know, big knife on the end of a stick. But that's okay. They go on the quest, they get the glaive, and we forget about it for like 90% of the rest of the film. And when they actually do start to use it, it's useless. So I'm, part of the movie could have been cut, I think, there. Um, but that brings me to the reason I'm, I'm bringing it up in the show is we talk a lot about movies that need to be remade or get remade. This one, I think, needs to be remade because it's actually a good story. It has some great concepts behind it. And they did what they could with the special effects of the time because this is coming up on 30 years ago. It could stand to be remade with CGI. Even crappy CGI might be an upgrade. Although I will say, keep the Cyclops. Because they did... 40 years ago, Rob. Oh, geez. Yeah, I guess I am old. (laughs) 40 years ago. I can't do math either. Um, the, the, The Cyclops was done with a practical makeup effect. And you know what? It still looks great. And I want you to think about that because... That means you've got to cover an act, both of an actor's eyes. And he's not going to be able to see through the one that he has on the character. But they still made this work. I don't know how. I'm not a makeup person. So keep the Cyclops, upgrade everything else. Um, <clears throat> but actually, I want to give you an example of what they did do, which I think might be helpful in other movies today. Because I we still see this occasionally, where you have some foreground scenery and it's supposed to get matched up to a matte painting in the background. That's usually, you know, on on a green screen or something. This movie, I think they looked at the matte paintings they had before they made the sets. And then they made the sets match the matte painting. So if that's what you've got to work with, um, there were a lot of scenes in this movie where you look at the the matte painting and or, well the whole scene and you go oh the whole thing is CGI until they start climbing the matte painting or something and you go they built a set to match the background and it works if you do that because there's especially at, during this time period you get a lot where it doesn't match and you go oh that's green screened in this. You go, oh, that's green screen. Wait a minute, that's not green screen because he just started climbing it. Where does the green screen start and end? That they did a good job of. Uh, the story they did a good job of. I think the mo- the main problem of this is it came out too soon. Remake this now, keep the Cyclops, but upgrade these special effects, and you'll have a good high-grossing film because people will look at it and go, that looks like something I want to see. There's my rant for the day. And I'm sure you haven't thought, or maybe have thought about it. Who should play your, not your, who should play the uh, lead, the prince? Corwin. Mixing up with your. Or Corvin. Um, I have not given a whole lot of thought as to who should play what in this, because um, weirdly, the only two actors that I've really seen on a regular basis in this film, in other films, are Liam Neeson and uh, Robbie Coltrane. Yeah. Yeah. Both of whom play extremely minor characters. 
Um, yeah, it's, it's hilarious that Liam Neeson is in this film. Robbie Coltrane is like, eh, he pops up in weird stuff, but it's really funny that Liam Neeson well, is in this. Well, I mean, this is this for both of them. This is one of their early films. Yeah, yeah. Liam Neeson looks like he's about well, I was going to say twelve, but he doesn't. But he like he's probably nineteen. Seriously, I'm, I was going to say eighteen or nineteen. He does not. Yeah. He he does have a mustache, but it's nowhere near as impressive as Robbie Coltrane's uh, full blown turf that he has between his uh, <laughs> lip and nose. Yes. Oh, geez, oh. who would we have? See, I I'm not sure who we would uh, an actor that. Um... Oh, I think there's just random people. Like... Colin Firth. I don't know. Yeah. It. That's not the name I was thinking of. It just kind of wandered out of my yeah. mouth. I, I agree that that is a movie that could be re, it could redone. Be all unknown actors. I think they need to touch the script up a little bit because to me this movie is, uh, and it's enjoyable, but in an absurd way because it's just so freaking goofy. But in places it is, yes. Yeah, but Ergo the magnificent. Uh, yeah, this is this is a, a movie that my daughter loves to talk about. She gets excited, it's like she realizes, oh, I haven't seen Crawl in a while. I'm going to watch Crawl because it's so. Bizarre, so yes, crawl, crawl is a good candidate for a remake. Agreed, agreed. A film which you don't really have to remake because this came out almost twenty years after Crawl. Came out in two thousand. Yay! And shifting gears a bit because we're going to go with horror because it is October. Happy film I had not actually watched until Friday. Watched Ginger Snaps. Which, <clears throat> yeah, mm, we we get the we get the the little parody there. So this thing came out in two thousand, a small Canadian film, and it is a tale of two teenage sisters who are obsessed with death, and they stage little dioramas starring themselves in various gruesome ways to die, and they present them at class, and the class thinks it's hilarious, and they get sent to the principal's office again for it. So so they have this weird little relationship, and they hate their mom. They love their mom, but they hate their mom at the same time. And neither of them has, mm, neither of them has achieved the status of full womanhood, womanhood yet, which is an important plot point because one of them gets... Attacked by a werewolf. Spoiler alert for a movie that came out 21 years ago. And, of course, when you're attacked by a werewolf, if you don't get killed, you're going to turn into a werewolf. So that's actually a metaphor for the whole menstruation thing. And the the whole issue of the role of women in society and all the rest of it. So, yeah, there's a lot going on in here. It's It's a coming of age, literally, film. But it's also a hell of a good werewolf film. And it also has a lot of kind of the pun fully intended biting commentary of like Edge of 17 or 8th grade. Where, you know, just all of the, the trauma that teenage girls go through on a regular basis. And in this case, throw in the fact that one's turning into a werewolf. So uh, definitely has its comedic aspects to it. It's a more satire than a broad comedy but at points it is legitimately scary not too scary though it's really just more of the uh, a satire the one thing i wish they 
it had was a little bit bigger budget for the monster effects because those aren't really great, but the story is excellent. Acting is excellent. And it's available on Peacock. It's available on Shudder, which if you, you can subscribe to through Amazon. So lots of ways to watch this. Ginger Snaps. There's a couple sequels even. And really fun, entertaining werewolf flick with a definitely different vibe from what you usually see. So similar to like Werewolves Within, where there's, you know, it it goes back to the old trope, but does something very interesting with it. So another werewolf flick for those who are in the October. Werewolfly inclined. There you go. If you are a lycanthrope, 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 file, not lycanthrophobe, you would be afraid of werewolves in which you would be intelligent. But yes, if you are into <laughs> lycanthropy, one of the films you should watch. See, we're not we're not only fearless in watching movies for you. We are fearless in making up words to describe these movies. Exactly. Because, <laughs> oh my God, you're so sad. Afraid oh, of nothing, which is great for the Halloween season. Indeed. <clears throat> but indeed. But I do want to point out that while the Halloween season is upon us, which means taking the kids out trick-or-treating or even going trick-or-treating yourself if you want to. I, I have no problem with it. But the COVID-19 thing is still out there. So try to socially distance yourself, wear a mask under your mask or incorporate it into your mask. Yeah. Uh, it's the best thing to do if you're going out. If you're not going out, stay home, give the kids some candy and watch a movie. Captain, we're losing power in the warp engines. I think we should be leaving now. I'm going to go home and sleep with my wife. Uh, and on that unusually harmonious bombshell, it is time to end. I am very disappointed. Man, we have a weird job. It's shameful, but uh, eh, it's a living. And like that, he's gone. Mmm, candy. <laughs>